All right, Mr. Warmth, the Merchant of Venom, Bullethead, are just a couple of the nicknames of the late, legendary Don Rickles. And for those of you who listen to my show, you know I honor Don every year on the anniversary of his birth. Bob Newhart and Tony Opadisano, Don's former manager, routinely join me for that in an effort to keep his name alive, something he asked me and countless others to do for him so people would not forget him. Now, writing on a wave of success that lasted more than 60 years, Don is best known as the insult comic who skewered presidents, royalty, celebrities, and friends and fans alike. But there was more to this man than a devilish ear-to-ear grin and lightning-fast put-downs. He was a loving husband, an adoring father, who suffered a devastating loss, a loyal friend of the likes of Bob Newhart and Frank Sinatra. Don was a young student of the American Academy of Dramatic Arts with future stars Jason Robards and Don Murray and Grace Kelly and intended to become a seriously committed actor. But it was nightclubs where he found his success. The brand new book, The Merchant of Venom, traces Don's career from his rise in the 50s to a latent life resurgence thanks to the Toy Story franchise's role in Casino and scores of TV appearances from Carson to Kimmel. And in real life, as I got to know him myself, he was the sweetest man on earth. The author is Michael Starr, television reporter and columnist for the New York Post for nearly 30 years. And he joins us here on WGN. Hey, Michael. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am great. You know, I... I do love everything and anything Rickles, and I was excited when I heard the book was coming out, and it's truly a great tribute to him. Thank you. You know, I, I, I too, uh, obviously, am a big Don Rickles fan. I, you know, when, when I write books, I've, I've written other celebrity biographies, I always feel like I, 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 I'm going to need to write about somebody I'm going to want to spend a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. in, in I mean, in research and writing, and 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 Don to me was was that way. He was one of my one of my show business heroes. Um, I grew up in the '70s, and and to me, seeing Don on the Tonight Show, especially when Frank Sinatra was there, that was appointment TV before there was appointment TV. I mean, you didn't have DV, you couldn't DVR it or whatever. You had to catch Don. Sometimes he would just walk on the show unannounced, mm-hmm. sit down, and just start ripping <laughs> whoever was sitting next to him on the couch, including Ed McMahon and including Johnny. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, no question. I was yeah. going to say in the 70s, same with me as I was very young. I was, you know, and, you know, I'm barely 10 years old by the end of the 70s. And I would, when I'd see his name in the TV guide, I just knew it was going to be funny. I'd, I'd keep myself up. I'd walk downstairs, hide kind of behind the TV room door and just and watch it because it was always laugh out loud funny. It was. And, and I think, you know, that, and thank you for that introduction. You, you, you covered a lot of ground there. And I think one of the things you that you that you touched upon was the fact that yes, Don was known as the Merchant of Venom and Mr. Warmth, which is uh, his favorite nickname, popularized by Johnny Carson. In the fifties, he was called the Insultant Sultan, which, for reasons we all know, never caught on. It was <laughs> wasn't a real great nickname, but but he really was a nice guy, and and he really wanted to be known as a nice guy. Who's it was it was all an act, all an onstage act. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, in his final years, he just wanted people to keep his name alive. And, and I hope that this contributes to that and, and gives people a good sense of, uh, you know, the arc of Don's career and uh, growing up here in New York and in, in Jackson Heights, Queens, and, and trying to, to become a serious dramatic actor, which didn't quite work out, although he did have some good roles in movies later on. But happenstance, and he became, you know, quote unquote, an insult comic, and just went. There was nobody doing what he was doing at the time, and he just rose to the top. And uh, through a lot of hard work and working a lot of 
crappy clubs along the way, you know, in, in his climb to the top. And finally, in the late 50s, early 60s, really made it to the, to the peak and, uh, and, and continued his success through the end, uh, all the way through the end of his life. Absolutely, no question. You know, you've written so many biographies over the years. Ringo Starr, Red Fox, books on Joey Bishop, Art Carney, uh, William uh, Shatner, Peter Sellers, Bobby Darren. You know, the fact that you chose Rickles, because, I mean, you're really you're right. When you're writing a book like this, you want to you want to spend time really with the, you know, the people that knew him, the research that you have to do. You're spending time with Don, essentially, really doing all this research, and I, I think you did an amazing job here. You know, the big clubs are where Don really found his footings. So you mentioned he was, you know, uh, exploring drama and so forth, and right, had a, a bunch of great movies, but it was like Murray Franklin's, the Slate Brothers. Uh, you know, he first played Vegas in his in its infancy in 1959, and it's where he really found who he was and how he was going to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it, it, the, the clubs are one thing, and Don was great at that. But when he when he got to Vegas, it's it's a different audience. You had people from all over the country. Um, he had never played there before. This is in 1959, and he was at the Sahara Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, his services were were being bid for by by several of the hotel casinos, and he was an immediate smash from the get go. Although he wasn't playing the big room, he was playing. You know, there's like midnight to to five a.m. show in a smaller right. lounge, but people were were coming to do all the celebrities were coming to see him after their shows. And, after their exactly, shows, yeah, 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 exactly. And and he had to learn how to sort of pace his act for people who were coming in very early in the morning, or you know, just were going about to eat breakfast or whatever it was, or they just lost. <laughs> but he in the casino, but he was such a good bomb for that for for whoever wanted to be entertained at that time of, of the night and the morning and it really stood him in good stead because he learned how to pace his act how to you know deal with hecklers how to deal with people you know eating food sometimes or the bartender you can hear in the background um and it really stood him in good stead for when he did play the bigger rooms which he eventually did of course mm-hmm. in vegas and new york and miami beach and, and all across the country well vegas you know uh, we said 59 i think he was there till 87 minus a few years he was uh I think at the Riviera, but then he was at the Golden Nugget, and that's where Steve Wynn took him. He played the Tropicana, uh, the Desert Inn, the Stardust, but you know he was off strip at the Nor- Nor- the Orleans for years, and that's where I saw him probably the most in in the last ten years. Was either there or Chicago or Milwaukee or Atlantic City. I mean, if I was in a city where he was performing, I always went to go see him, and I think that that was true for a lot of people. Yes, and 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 you know, and and Don sort of he not only was he doing the, his his stand up act in Vegas and touring constantly across the country, but he was finding time, especially in the '60s, to appear in countless sitcoms like I Dream of Jeannie and The Adams Family and Get Smart. Oh, he was always popping and, up. Oh yeah, I show yeah. You know, Nary, you know, a week went by where you couldn't turn your television set on and see Don on the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, one of those. Gilligan's <laughs> Island, the Twilight Zone. Island. Was tons of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was all over the place and, and, and some dramas, too. And he because I think he, he he wanted to sort of keep his hand in acting. And, and yes, he was he was unbelievably successful doing his stage act. That's what he was known for. But he also wanted to be known as a sitcom actor, and it didn't quite work out the way he he wanted it to. But he did have he had several sitcoms, two called the Don Rickles Show on 
ABC and CBS. Right, right. But then, then he had CPO Sharkey on NBC, which mildly, you know, we, yes, which was mildly six. It was two seasons, which for Don was like you know a great <laughs> a hit. lifetime. It was a, a lifetime. lifetime, right? Yeah. And and because I think the reason for that was it hewed very closely. You know, Don was in the Navy in World War Two. Right. He was in the Navy for two years. Right. And, you know, honorably discharged and, and got close to battle, didn't quite see action, but got close to it. And so CPR Sharkey, he played, you know, a chief petty officer in the Navy, which Don knew all about. And he knew the terminology and he knew that lifestyle. So I think that's one of the reasons why CPR Sharkey works so well, um, in addition to having a great supporting cast, where he has his other sitcoms. Uh, tried to put him as, you know, the put-upon dad, the suburban dad. Wasn't him. Um, yeah. With Richard Lewis, you know, he did a Fox sitcom yeah, called Daddy Dad Durst. Durst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, where that, was a little, that was also a little sort of closer to his stage persona. But I, I think, in, you know, I say this in the book and have others saying it in the book, it was really hard to write a character for Don to fit into that format, in 22-minute right. format. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it just... You know, and, and it, it sort of took something away because you had to see him live. That's where you really got the full force of his personality and his and his comedic style. The new book is Don Rickles, The Merchant of Venom. The author is Michael Starr, and there's more after this on 720 WGN. Dave Player, 720 WGN. We're talking to Michael Starr, author of many biographies, including his new one, Don Rickles, the Merchant of Venom. You talked a little bit, touched a little bit about the fact that uh, Don was going to get into dramatic acting, and... You know, his movies, though, the ones that he was in, most of them, I should say, let's talk 1959. He made his film debut in Run Silent, Run Deep with Clark Gable, Burt Lancaster. Always had great stories about that. Um, Kelly's Heroes, uh, Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, uh, Carol O'Connor, a classic, which, by the way, he made lifelong friends in, in the movies he was in. He did. Um, and Carol O'Connor was a, was a very good friend very of his. Good. And his matter of yeah, as a matter of fact, Carol kind of tried his hand, uh, you know, inspired by Don at, at a at a a stage routine. I think it did fairly well, but he, you know, he wasn't a, he wasn't an insult comic like Don. But yes, I mean, he in, in those movies that he made, he made a movie called The Rat Trap mm-hmm. with Debbie Reynolds and Tony Curtis. He got a, a lot of acclaim for that. He was always in with big stars, even in a kind of a schlocky movie like The Man with the X Ray Eyes. Yes, Ray Milland. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah and and, and um, the so, beach movies. So he was, yeah. Yeah, the Beach Blanket Bingo movies with, uh, you know, Annette Funicello and, and uh, um, Frankie Avalon. So he was always sort of there in the zeitgeist in the movies, although he wasn't, that wasn't his primary focus of entertainment. He did like to keep his hand in it, and he was always available and always was wanted for these movies. And then, yes, as we as you mentioned in your intro, uh, later in life, I think his, he thought, he figured his his crowning achievement in Don's eyes was Casino because you had De Niro and Joe Pesci and Martin Scorsese directing. And he didn't have a huge role, but he had enough of a role to make an impact. And yeah. then, of course, Toy Story, which opened him up to a whole generation of, of kids. But Casino, I mean, yeah. Casino was, was, was legendary as well. But, you know, and I love seeing Don in those roles, but it was television. And, you know, when you think about who was Don's idol growing up is the guy who gave him the nickname the merchant of venom which was uh, milton burl and you know he always said he looked up to milton but you know it was really johnny carson and and sinatra that he really made an impact with and helped him all along with his career and johnny on the tonight show was really the pinnacle 
Yeah, it was, and also uh, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. It was Rose. Yeah, there's there's a yeah, and there's a section in the book when Don first appeared on the yes. Dean Martin show. They weren't doing the roast yet, but they devoted it was an unprecedented amount of airtime. I think it was like 14 minutes to Don. It was a roast format where they brought Don in, and he didn't know who was going to be there. And he he they, they set it up like a nightclub, and he came in 14, 15 minutes of prime time uninterrupted. Is it was just unheard of. But he did so well there, and that really cemented his, you know, along with his appearances on The Tonight Show, and then a little later on, The Joey Bishop Show, and Merv Griffin, and he did all the talk shows, Dinah Shore, mm-hmm. um, because he was such a great guest, and they could always count on him to get laughs, and to, to come on and just be the merchant of venom, but also show his softer side, and I think that's what people, and, and his fellow celebrities really loved about Don. You know, Jeff Satsing, who's uh, Johnny Carson's nephew, he runs Carson Entertainment and all the properties that that they have. I had him on um, uh, back in in August when the anniversary of The Tonight Show uh, with Johnny was was happening, and he said that, you know, there were very few people that Johnny didn't have notes in front of, outside of maybe a a little index card that said where, where Don was performing. There was no need for that when Rickles would come on stage because it just kind of Don or Johnny just stood back and let Don do his thing and responded as best he could. But it was Don's show for when he was on. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Dave. I mean, he, he sort of took the show over for those few minutes. And it's also interesting to know that when, you know, Don was also remembered for all the Dean Martin celebrity roasts, which came a short time after the Dean Martin show, they, they made a whole format out of that. He was always the last on and also the only celebrity whose lines were not written for him because, like, as you just, he didn't need it. <laughs> it almost didn't right. matter who was on the dais. He'd come in and, and do his thing and rip everybody and then, you know, in his talks and, and, and close the show because, as, as Tom Dreesen says in the book, a fellow yes. comedian, nobody could top him. I mean, yeah. it was just you close the show with Rickles and, and you had it made. You know, and, and and what I love again about the book, you did break down really every part of his life, and and there's great people that you spoke to in this book, but it really kind of tells you who Don is as a human being. And we're going to do that. We're going to talk about his personal life a little bit. One of the nicest guys off screen. The new book is Don Rickles, The Merchant of Venom. The author is Michael Starr. And there's more after the top stories from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on 720 WGN. Dave Plyer, 720 WGN. We're talking to Michael Starr, author of so many biographies, including the new one, Don Rickles, The Merchant of Venom. Um, You know, not everybody talks about uh, comedians off screen and you know, you really took a moment here uh, throughout the book to talk about the man, the husband, the father, the friend, you know, couldn't be a nicer guy. And I was backstage with Don at almost, you know, 15 shows uh, over the years. And from Chicago to Vegas, Atlantic City, Milwaukee, I just I loved going to see him because I got to spend a little time backstage with him and Barbara and, you know, his vodka, he'd, you know, have a little bourbon there, whatever, whoever, wanted, whatever, and just shoot the crap for you know, until he was done. It was. It might have been half hour, 45 minutes, but I almost relish that more than the show. But he's he's one of the, he was one of the, the greatest storytellers, one of the most genuine of people, and one of the most nicest guys around. He was. And, and you mentioned Barbara. They had a, he, he was devoted to Barbara. They had a very happy, uh, harmonious marriage. Um, Don, they didn't marry until Don was almost 40. So he had had he had dated many women, you know, and, and coming up in the, in the world of nightclubs, it's, it's very fleeting. You, you know, you're working every night. It's hard to keep keep up a, a romance. But um, 
he, when when he met Barbara, he's uh, he sort of just he just he just knew that he had met his his future wife, and I think she felt the same way. She at first was not impressed by Don. Yeah, right. He asked, her, he, joined, he asked her to marry him several times. Finally, she 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 did say yes, and and they had uh, they had a great marriage um, for for fifty plus years, yeah. and two children, Mindy and 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 Larry, and um, I, I find it I found it sort of ironic and touching in a way that Barbara passed away on their, on their wedding anniversary yes, a couple yes, of years ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, and she, she just like held on long enough. And then on their, the, the day of their anniversary, she was, uh, she was funny too. Like she, you know, when, when, especially toward the, those last couple of years, you know, Don would be reminiscing about seriously about the, you know, being in, uh, you know, in the war or, you know, his first stage appearances or, or he would bring up some great, story and she would kind of talk with him on those stories and almost kind of remind him of things a little bit and you know i i had mentioned to him i said you know the, the my favorite story is about you know when it was uh raining outside and frank thought you know there's lightning and thunder that there were photographers outside you walked out i said tell that story tell that story and Barbara's like, oh god, like I've heard this a million times. Like, stop telling that story. And they were right. they were funny together. They were absolutely funny together. But you talk about a lot of his friendships. You talk about his family life. Bob Newhart. Uh, you know, they never did really anything substantial on screen together to speak of. But Don and Barbara, Bob and Ginny, they were inseparable for decades. Yes, they 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 were inseparable friends. They they toured the world together. Um, uh, uh, Bob Newhart called Don the sweetest man he'd ever known. I think Don felt the same way about Bob Newhart, even though their comedic styles were complete polar opposites. And, you know, it's interesting to note that um, there's that famous uh, episode on The Tonight Show where uh, Bob Newhart was hosting The Tonight Show and Don slammed down Johnny's cigarette box. And then, you know, people, you can watch it on YouTube the next night. Carson took a microphone and went across the hall to CPO Sharky and surprised, shocked him. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it, it was all set up beforehand. Don didn't know. You know, you know, Rickles, did you break my cigarette box? You know, and he, you know, it was like uh, one of the only times Don was speechless. Yeah. Know? So yeah, well, and it was so, pretty un. It was uncommon to do like a behind the scenes, grab the mic, let's get the cord, bring the camera, let's go. Yeah, I mean, they they might have planned it, but yeah, Rickles had no idea. But that was the beauty of the relationship and the friendship not only with Newhart but with Carson as well yes I think so you know it was, it was a very meta moment before we knew what meta moments were you know back in back in the 70s but yes Don had a lot of friends and and, and you mentioned before his idol Milton Berle um, his his fellow comics um, not so much with although I don't know how I, I don't know how much of it was really drummed up in the press but with um, another insult comic from that era, Jack Leonard, Fat Jack Leonard, mm-hmm. um, who who actually was was commented more about Don than Don did about him. I think that Fat Jack was always always felt that Don took a little bit of borrowed a little bit of his act, but mm. you know the, the 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 fact was that Don did what he did and and he was so good at it that he became very famous. Fat Jack Leonard reached had a modicum of fame. But never, you know, never reached those heights, and there was probably a little bit of bitterness there. But they never, you know, Don never said anything bad about Jack Leonard in, in public. And as a matter of fact, uh, Fat Jack Leonard sponsored Don for a membership in the Friars Club. So you know, it, it was probably just a lot of you know those quote unquote those showbiz feuds that yeah. you know it, it makes for good copy. But um, yeah, Don had he was he was pretty much beloved by everybody. I mean, it was just just who he was and. 
he was, as you mentioned, Dave, several times, he was just a nice guy off off stage, and that certainly helps. You know, you can have yeah. a, you can be you can have a terrific act on stage and then be a total jerk. Yeah, off stage, which we know that there were a lot of a lot of uh, personalities who were that way, but Don was not. And we only touch the surface on the new book, and there's a lot of in-depth stories in here that I know you haven't heard. Don Rickles, The Merchant of Venom, it's a great read available on Amazon and your local bookseller as well. Makes a great gift as well. Michael, a pleasure, and um, really, congratulations. Terrific book. Thank you, Dave, and uh, anytime, and thanks for having me on the show. Thank you, sir. All right, much more ahead here on 720 WGN.